good. It's Reg. It's dope. And it's the chill hour. We're out here relaxing, playing beautiful music, out here on our yachts, enjoying the end of summer. Bro, it's a nice fall day. It's a beautiful fall day. I'm like, this this, this weather has been. It's global warming. It's popping. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> our kids gonna grow up to be mutants and shit and fucking live in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. But for now, I'm fucking balling. I'm oh, out dude. here. You know what I'm saying? My little t-shirts, running on my bike, being a beautiful little hipster. And you know, so while it gets concanted about fucking twenty years, it'll all be worth it. You and, know? My, and my mind is saying it's late September, right? You know, bring a jacket. Mm-hmm. Don't even need it. Don't even need it. That's the way it is. You know what I'm saying? It's a beautiful Crazy. thing. So when we all live in the mountains because the world is flooded and then, you know, it's the end of the world. Remember these times, you know, back in back in the when the apocalypse comes and hits us. <laughs> and on that note. And on that note, uh <laughs> since we're already talking negative, uh, we're gonna go speak about a recent death in the industry. Um, at the good age, but still relatively young age of 19, of 75 years old, Rick Kasich has died. So I don't know if you know who he is. He, school the kids. School the kids. So the, the cars. The cars were a band that popped in the late 70s, had some hits in the 80s. Um, you could make the argument of where they just a crossover rock band where, you know, they... These tight little pop songs, you know, I, I'm trying to how to describe it to you, but I guess your kids would be like 80s rock band, let's just say, even though they necessarily fit that kind of mold. But uh, to kind of rewind the story a little bit, Rick Ocasek, in a weird way, was a lead singer, lead songwriter of that band. It was him in a collaboration with um, another musician. But he's had an interesting career even outside of the cars, which kind of, I, I guess I want to focus on a little bit because he's somebody where, you know, he came out and he's in a popular band. He's a popular band back in the days of where if you actually had a popular band, you actually had like fucking money. Like you, you could make sales, you know, you had, you had like your own like jets. You had your own jets. You what? know what I'm saying? You weren't poor. You were, there were, there was actually, they were actually selling music in stores. That's right. Yeah. It's, oh, crazy, shit. Concept. crazy shit. Crazy shit. Crazy shit. So basically, even though he had a, a successful career as a musician and they've had dropped, I think, a good maybe 10 plus albums over a good, wow, I'm thinking 25, even not 30 year career. He's somebody where he also pops up as a producer in these weird seminal albums over the years. Pretty much like once a decade, he kind of pops up, helps with a genius record and disappears. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the reason why I kind of bring it up was because... Uh, so basically, you had this band called Suicide, which is kind of a proto, no-wave New York City. I put quote-unquote hipster, but I feel like hipsters in the 70s are a little different than hipsters now. But, you know, cool kid, kind more of art heroin. class. More, definitely more heroin. <laughs> Much more cheaper rents, thankfully. True that. <laughs> yeah. Better drugs, cheaper rents. Uh, but uh, less STDs, arguably. You know, that was right before the AIDS era. <laughs> Borderline. But anyway, he helped produce an album by a band called Suicide. So Suicide is seminal because basically it was a drum machine and a synth line. And that kind of became a ground zero for a lot of experimental New York City bands. That became ground zero for a lot of industrial bands later on from, let's say, you can make the argument from Throb and Gristle all the way to Nine Inch Nails for you modern rock band fans. And even M.I.A. sampled that record a couple of years ago for one of her records. One word. Yeah. And, And so, you know, he was producing that record a mere, let's say, five years later, there was this unknown band, quote, I don't use that in, in you know, sarcastic quotes, called Bad Brains, who were basically getting their major label debut kind of ready to kind of be released. 
and he kind of stepped in. They grabbed some stuff from their their first record, and they kind of remixed it, put it together to the package. And basically, he was responsible for the the, the basically not once necessarily putting bad brains on the map, but he because of Rick Ocasek was behind the boards for their basic major label debut. So it's just like rock for light, you know what I'm saying? Wow. And you kind of like look at that, and it's like, all right, cool. And you kind of fast forward, maybe I guess ten years later, we're in the grunge era, where you know everybody's wearing flannel, everybody's kind of sad, everybody's kind of doing all this deep quote unquote music, and he was the guy behind the boards of fucking Weezer, which was fucking at the time, and you know for your kiddies. You know, it's kind of easy to kind of see how Weezer fit into the mold of the grunge era. But at that yeah. time, they were an anomaly. You know, everybody was all depressed. Everything was all super serious. Even though everybody was slacker cool, where they were cool by the nature of them being uncool. <laughs> yeah, but they were, they were, I mean, the grunge era is completely different from what, like, what Weezer was. Oh, yeah, completely. You know, it's, 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 and that's the thing. It's the idea of where the grunge era, it's just like, all right, you know, you look at your Pearl Jams, look at your Nirvanas, they have these grandiose statements. And even though they're, you know, these quote unquote geeks, they're cool geeks. They're in the era where it's, it's something about being stripped down. You have Weezer coming out there doing songs literally about Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and no, Rolling no, Die in the Garage. So it was a, a, a complete, like, you know, 180. Furthermore, what's kind of interesting about Weezer is the fact of where they had these beautiful Beach Boy melodies where it's just not like this grunt guitar and yada, yada, yada. They had this, this sense of, like, pop songwriting which kind of stood against what was happening, where everybody was kind of following this idea of Pixies or even like a Nirvana. Because I'm not going to say Nirvana doesn't have necessarily song, pop songwriting, but, you know, you know, because you could definitely hear that in, as far as the Unplugged record. They're great pop songwriters. But the idea is that they kind of drowned it out with like fucking, you know, you've had your distortion, of you've course. got this angry singing where Reza comes out there and it's just like this this cool little harmony. They're doing these little cheesy Kiss-esque guitar solos. They kind of wore the fact that they were the uncool kids on their sleeves, but really uncool. And that, and that kind of made them... I guess the, the, the rock icons that they are today. This is like like that kind of template, that kind of cool geek template that they laid down back then is kind of the, the norm now. Yeah, you know, what I'm saying that geek core, everybody's wearing glasses and fucking oddly fitting clothes, like Geek Weezer was doing before anybody else. So the kind of reason why I want to kind of celebrate his life or kind of talk about him is the fact of where, and you think in general, and we've talked about music. There's a lot of musicians out there where you know. They come out there. They've they've dropped this quote unquote genius album. You know they're doing all this crazy work. They're doing all this experimental shit. You know drugs, right? Major labor problems. They, it's very easy as a musician to forget about actual music yeah. <laughs> and the creative part. And what I find like you know like you know fascinating about Rick's kind of career is the fact of where you know he's somebody where he's making his own stuff, doing his own stuff, but in a weird way he's kind of giving back. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence, like, he had these big records that this guy who was doing this kind of new wavy, pop, rocky kind of band was kind of involved with. And it's something where I kind of find fascinating because he's at, he's at a space of where he didn't have to do that. He could have sit there writing his songs. If he felt a little bit uncool, he could have sat there and, song, and just wrote songs for people in the background. But I, I think it's kind of easy to kind of forget that... You know, since the music industry is so predatory, how does guys out there who are actually in it for the art side of it? Yeah, no, yeah. definitely, definitely. And, and to be completely honest, I had no idea kind of like that he's involved in all these projects. You know, that, that's really dope. And I mean, you, you hear a lot of these kind of things where, you you know, like like an artist might have been 
maybe a one hit wonder or, you know, had an album like 20 years ago and then they kind of disappear and you think like, you know, maybe they're homeless or whatever, you know, like working at McDonald's. That's like kind of the, the, the joke, but a lot of them are behind the scenes. A lot of them are doing production and writing and mentoring. And, and there's a lot of stuff where, you know, uh, I remember, uh, uh, who's the dude like, uh, Rico Suave, that dude, you know, like, Arado. <laughs> yeah, nice, yeah. but he's doing a lot of production and writing and, and just mentoring like of like a lot of artists in that era. Um, you know, like that post nineties, you know, early two thousands era, he's like playing a lot of uh, pivotal roles in the background, especially like with Latin arts. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those really interesting things where, maybe you get to this point where, you know, you've achieved everything you want to achieve. Like, you know, there's no use of putting, you know, like more effort into like a band that maybe was a hit in the seventies, you know, like let's, let's spread my talents elsewhere. So it's kind of cool to hear that. Like it's, it's, it's something that was new to me. Um, but, uh, it's kind of cool to hear. And I, I really hope that, you know, people of this generation continue to kind of do that. I, I see like parts of that happening. Um, yeah, no, it's just, it's a cool thing. It's yeah, a cool thing. Yeah, and it's like, it's something where it's, like, going back to the idea we were discussing, because we remember discussing about Andy Brown has a new record coming out, and apparently, um, so I know it's executive produced, quote-unquote, by Q-Tip, but he also has a new song out, I think, today, produced by Q-Tip, and it's kind of cool to kind of see that, like, you know, you've got this idea of where, because Andy Brown is not necessarily a young artist, but it's kind of cool to have something like Q-Tip where he's well-established. Yeah. You know, Q-Tip could just do whatever he wants. And he still kind of comes back and he's kind of helping out with these younger cats projects. And it's something where I feel like in hip hop in general, you don't really see that mentorship you kind of want to see. Yeah. Like you see it in weird ways where, you know, if, if, if I get put on, quote unquote, I'll make sure my homies, quote unquote, get put on. But at the same time, it feels that, you know, just because I got you a record deal, just because I put you on a posse cut, that's not really mentoring. And I think that's kind of a weird gap you have there. Mm. And, and it kind of reminds me of the argument that Nikki had early on with Cardi B. Where it was a weird statement she made, and and I felt like it's a weird old head statement where she was on some like, you know, whatever it was, it was some stupid shit about remixes or whatever. Like I hopped on a remix, she didn't hop on a remix or whatever. But she was very much like, well, I was here first. She kind of needs to bow down to me. She should have kind of came hat in hand, which I kind of get, but I kind of don't. The idea is that it's still a creative medium. It's not like quid pro quo per se. I think the whole idea is that, you know, even though there's a lot of money involved in the music industry. It's still a creative endeavor, and in a weird way, you kind of owe a debt to music. I kind of say it's like the idea is that you know, and go back to the idea of hip hop. So every every there was a period of time where every dude was like, I am not a rapper, I am a hustler. Yeah. And who do you listen to? Nobody but my own fucking tapes. Yeah. So that's fucking bullshit. Even even your most hardcore rappers back in the days listening to like you know Ice Cube. Easy E, and I feel that nowadays you have a lot of rappers. I'll admit that that you might not necessarily get the answers you want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Like remember there was the whole thing where who are your top rappers, Gunner? You know, saying well yeah, that yeah, whole yeah. like yeah. 50, 50, the top, name it, top fifty rapper lists. But the idea of where you know music is a whole, everybody influences each other, everybody steals from each other, everybody, nobody literally popped up at eighteen, never heard a song in their life, was like I'm gonna become a quote unquote musician. 
learns the instrument for like fucking a week and suddenly they're fucking writing songs. Yeah. It's always cyclical. There's always things kind of popping in there. So the reason why I kind of want to spread light on this, the idea of where we need to kind of celebrate the kind of guys and girls who are kind of giving back to music. Yeah, no, you know, definitely. Like even definitely. somebody like, let's say like Madonna, you know, I, I know she had her label Maverick in like the 90s. Yeah, yeah. And she was signing a lot of weird bands. Deftones were signed to fucking Madonna's label. Yeah. You know, and it's the idea of where I think that because what's cool about hip hop, and I know I kind of went in a little bit hard, is in general there's an idea of a collective, you know, where it's just like, all right, we've got a, we've got a crew. This is us, you know. This is Beast Coast. This is fucking, you know, we're we're all on TD. We're on the same record label. Yeah. We're all from the same neighborhood. We're all use the same producer. Yada yada yada. And I think that's kind of a mentorship, but not the way it kind of could be, only because of the way the industry kind of is. It's one big meat grinder. And I think that now that the industry's trying to figure out what it is and what forms it'll take in the next couple of decades, that I think there's a space there where hopefully there'll be more mentorship. Yeah. And I'm hoping that is an idea of where it's not just, all right, let me get this check and that's it. It's an idea of, right, let me, let me help you get your project up and going, not because I want points on production, not because, you know, yeah. not like, you know, it'd be nice if we could look at Drake and Kanye West and they're helping these young guys out well, to help these young guys out. Not because they're trying to like fucking have them for songwriting. Yeah, you know? those are the two most egregious examples of, of kind of failures in this whole, you know, because people sign to good music or sign to OVO. They're thinking like, oh, Drake is going to take me under his umbrella. Kanye's going to take me under his umbrella and like, you know, kind of push me forward. Um, mentor me, but also like being associated with these, these like larger artists, um, you know, will kind of propel my career forward as well. And obviously, you know, that hasn't been the case. I know like Rhymefest was like very mad at Kanye. Wiley, Wiley shot at a model. We could go um, Drake saying yeah, that yeah, all yeah, Drake, yeah. Drake designed you yeah. to make to get him oh, music. was the worst. Yeah, never. <laughs> you know, all the, you know. I don't think there's anybody who's happy that signed OVO like McConan, Wiley. You know, all those cats are like going at Drake. Um, because number one, Drake is not a mentor, probably. And then number two, he steals your shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good song. This is not my song. You know, <laughs> so, um, but, you know, what I do want to say uh, is that, you know, I, I'm really looking at somebody like J. Cole, who's doing a lot uh, of stuff with the Dream Real Sessions, which, you know, we've, like, shouted out a few times. I don't know if it's there yet, but it's, like, the kernel of an idea where you kind of get some of these guys, um, like, rising MCs and producers, you kind of bring them into your to the fold and kind of build this kind of, you know, uh, culture, community around it. Um, you know, J. Cole was the first to kind of defend mumble rappers and kind of take dudes like uh, Lil Pump, like, under his wing and yeah. things like that. Um, not saying that J. Cole is like the mentor, you know, whatever, but he's cr kind of creating this archetype. I feel that hip hop can copy, uh, if it wants to. Um, I think we're now in this weird space where, um, especially if you're an emerging artist, you need to kind of have your crew. Um, and that's why you're seeing a lot of like the beast coasts, the Brock Hamptons come up, um, you know, the, uh, you know, all these just like collectives that are, that are popping up right now, just because, it's strength in numbers at this point. And, you know, now it's just kind of like, like maybe if there are artists that are emerging out of these collectives, like they can, you know, now this, this, there, there is this kind of like this, this mentality where let's build this community. And there are like these archetypes that J Cole is creating, you know, maybe it's easier for some of these mentors to kind of like, you know, rise above the fold. Um, I only expect somebody like, 
Nikki to do that. You know, she's too far in the game for that. Yeah. I even expect somebody like Cardi to do that. Like, she's too far in the game for that. You know, um, maybe somebody like Megan the Stallion, because I think Megan the Stallion has heart. <laughs> 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 you know, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and it's tough. Like, it's tough to be a mentor. It's like mad tough to like, you have to have the certain, a certain personality to, to, to kind of pull that off. Yeah, no, and, and it goes back to the idea of like, like even with like somebody like Rick Ocasek, where it's just the idea of where all those bands are drastically different. You've got one band, which is basically beat poetry and, and synths. You've got another band, which is Bad Brains, which is basically just, you, who knows how it is to sit there and watch them record fucking songs live. And you've got basically the the, 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 the epitome of geek core of Weezer. So, but it's the idea, I think, of where it's just, you know, like I said, it's giving back to the well. Whereas, like, you've got to go in there, you've got to look at the artist, see what works for that artist, not for yourself. Yeah. It's, it's a selfish job. You know what I'm saying? A yeah. selfless job, I should yeah, say. Yeah, selfless. Yeah, 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 so it's something where, and, 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 I think we kind of have to look at that more, and that's how you kind of said, like you're building a sense of community. And I think it's that's what's kind of missing, particularly with the way the future's going, where it's going to be very corporate, very you know we all have to pay by the algorithm. God, I think it's the idea of where you, you kind of have to remember it's a collective also. And I think it's also for young artists too, because you hear a lot of young artists saying, "I came out of this scene, I came out of that scene." I'll read art, article interviews of like young artists where it's just like, "Oh well, I might do." You know, this weird avant-garde fucking beat poetry rap that I play with this hardcore band and my homegirl who plays fucking cello, the local fucking symphony, works in the same space. So we're kind of doing this all together. It's the idea of where, you know, it's I think it's the idea of now that kind of the music is kind of becoming more consolidated as far as on the major labels concerned on the corporate level. It's time for us, I guess, as music makers and music lovers to kind of work on a lower level and kind of just work on more collective and helping the next man behind you up, not just to get more of his paycheck. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, definitely. Yeah. Oh, and shout out to Gucci. Gucci's been doing a lot. Yeah, Gucci Mane. Gucci Mane has, has been doing a lot. Gucci Mane. Gucci, it's, you know? it's so sad because it's he'll never, he's he'll probably die the most underrated rapper ever. And not necessarily because of his raps per se, even though I think he's a great rapper. But realistically, it was if if you went and if you went in back in time and killed Gucci Mane, rap music would be a drastically different world now. No, no, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And but I, I think it's it's very interesting now where I think he's being known more as a mentor than an actual like recording artist. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, he's been he's been in the game for like <laughs> a long time. Yeah. But I, I'm realize I'm 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 running across people who don't you, they can't really name like a modern Gucci song, like post, you know, jail Gucci song, but they know what he's doing. Like they, they see what he's doing with like some of the emerging rappers in the Atlanta community. Yeah, no, and, and what's cool about Gucci is the fact that where Lord knows probably he signed so many of these rappers, but you never really hear anything like Baby, where it's just like, oh, this rapper is left and now they're beefing and his gunshots and yada, yeah. yada, yada. It's just like, it feels like he kind of, or even with the beefs that Gucci has had, has been beef with Gucci on a personal level, not for a rapper level. Like everybody that's been under Gucci that's moved up. You know, there's never been a complaint. Like he, yeah. he may be beefing with Jeezy. He may be, you know, arguing with like Nicki Minaj and shit. But those are to the side beefs. Yeah. Any any young Atlanta rapper looks up to Gucci, and that's kind of cool. And I think that's what you kind of need. And you know, without him, you know, we talk about Atlanta as if Atlanta, you know, there was nothing in Atlanta. Then Al Cash <laughs> showed up from the mountains. 
You know, Andre 3000 came yeah, out dressed like, like a clown. Like... Big Boy came dressed like a pimp. And that was it. And from suddenly this Atlanta scene happened. <laughs> but that's not the case. You know, they were out there etching out something, you know, just building an industry, period. And once... And an outcast kind of blew up so big, so wide that they weren't really Atlanta. Definitely in sound, yeah. But they but, transcended everything. But yeah, I mean, but like, like LaFace, Babyface, like Jermaine Dupri, like all those cats oh, were yeah, true. Like in ATL like six years before. Yeah, right? six years before you know? Outkast. You're absolutely yeah. true. Absolutely right. So yeah, and, and and I think is when once they kind of disappeared, you know, th- there was no real that as opposed to it feels like in New York. And even to a certain extent in LA, there's always a way in the hip hop underground for you to become above ground. You know, there, there's, I feel like in New York, you could almost hear it at times. Yeah. Where you, you'll be somewhere like in the Brooklyn or fucking deep in the Bronx, and you hear a car playing one song, and you hear a couple of cars playing that one song, then you might hear it late night on fucking Hot 97, and then eventually somehow, you know, some local New York rapper hops on the remix. There's a weird kind of play that you could see a kind of a song go from the underground to the above ground. Yeah. And even in LA, you feel like there's that same same kind of thing, or even like particularly the Bay. The Bay is its own music industry in itself, self-contained. Yeah. And or it feels Chicago like Chicago too. Chicago too. Yeah. And while Atlanta does have the strip club fucking like you know it goes from here to the strip club yada yada yada, it feels that Gucci Mane was the first one to say, all right, you know, here's your underground dude in the house with fucking Fruity Loops and a shitty microphone. Here's your major label deal, and I could bring you guys both together. And yeah. that's like, well, if, you, if want you want you to take him out. All those pieces fall away and it gets weird. Yeah. So you know, props to him. And I and I guess the idea I want to bring it up in Chasta Rick Kasich is the idea of where, you know, in general we focus on a lot of big personalities, a lot of these big music makers, a lot of these quote unquote geniuses, and there's something to be said for somebody who kind of sits back there, and just you know, be it a producer, be it somebody you know, studio musician, be it a songwriter, kind of helping with the hooks. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of these unsung heroes that will follow them. We wouldn't have the great music that we enjoy. And it's kind of a shout out to the kind of guys where, you know, they could be doing different things. They could be doing quote unquote greater things, but what they're doing is still bringing music to life that we enjoy. And, you know, shouts to him. Rest in peace. Yeah. 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 Da, da, da. Yo, we just create, like connected the dude from the cars to Gucci Mane. To Gucci Mane. That's, See? That's See how beautiful. that worked? Woo. Cheers to us. Cheers for to that. us. Ha, so, we made clank, that clank, clank, clank. <laughs> Gucci calls for the remix, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll be on there. Just what I needed. You guys be a rap. But uh, but yeah, no. And then um, so I guess we'll talk to music. <laughs> so ready, music. ready for this association. So, as I mentioned before, you know, my one of my favorites, Danny Brown, has a new album coming out. It could be executive produced by Q Tip. Yo, Q Tip like, produced some of the beats. Yeah. And uh there's also a young gentleman. From Baltimore, Baltimore. Where is he? I, I feel like he's Baltimore he's, scene, he's but I feel like he's a little weird. Yeah, yeah. He's Baltimore, everywhere. It's like New York like and so and so. He spent some time in Japan, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, but anyway, there's another young. I can't even say young because he's almost, I think, pushing thirty or like late twenties. Um, this other up and coming, up and coming either. What'd you say? Yeah, he's up and coming. I, I say, I get. I'm thinking twenty eight. He's up and coming outside of Brooklyn. Yeah, up and coming outside of Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, no, middle age. I would make an argument being like late twenties, like be, this middle age rapper called jpeg mafia um so anyway because and it makes sense because you know danny brown loves loves avant-garde beats so it looks like jpeg mafia is going to have some beats on there and i think he might even oh, have right. a, a rapping credit but anyway all that to say is the the aforementioned jpeg mafia dropped an album last week <laughs> uh all my heroes are cornballs i believe is a full title yep and uh so basically i don't know um it's, I've been playing it a lot, 
And I, I, I can understand for a lot of people, it's he's uh, an acquired taste. Yeah. And I think that with this record, I could see... It's like he's right on the ship, but wrong ship at the same time. And I'll explain what I mean. Um, so JPEG Mafia comes out. He's doing a lot of avant-garde rap stuff. Basically, his records kind of boil down to two to three minute beats, self-produced. Yeah. Wide variety. Sometimes it's aggro noise like Death Grips. Sometimes it's very minimalistic SoundCloud trap. Sometimes he's screaming in the mic. Sometimes he's just kind of just, you know, doing a regular rapidly rap stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know... Behind it all is a sense of humor that's there, almost trollish, very born online humor kinda. Yeah. A lot of a lot of stuff you would kinda get and I hate kinda saying this aloud, but I wanna say 2019, but let's say 2015 4chan. Mm. Kinda kinda jokey. I, I lurk in YouTube comments kinda kinda stuff. Yeah. So even though he had his breakout record um a year ago, he kinda came back with this new record. And so to kind of go into it, so like I said, the last record is basically a wide variety of beats, him kind of going on there, you know, doing different kind of rap styles. You could see him throwing a lot of ideas in the wall. And because of that, even though there's some great standouts, there's no real cohesion. With this record, this record kind of reminds me a lot of what you kind of hear from a lot of the avant-garde New York City rap dudes, where you've got your Earl sweatshirts, your mics, you're standing in the corner, where it's almost like stripped down and oddly psychedelic where the beats stop and yeah, start and yeah, samples yeah, yeah. kind of come in and disappear and you know forget about verse chorus verse sometimes you might get a verse that stops halfway through yeah and then the beat switch it kind of begins up all this to say is obviously it's a lot more avant-garde and experimental but the funny thing is that compared to his first record which is very jarring where it's like here's a soundcloud happy trap here's a really aggro angry beat here's a weird funny sample song this one kind of melds it all together to one big cohesive piece. So you may have a quote unquote single that may sound like three different beats kind of spliced together. As a result, you've got this album that kind of sounds like a more cohesive whole that makes oh, yeah, like it's no, cohesive with its cohesiveness. Yeah. It's like, and what's weird is I think a couple of, not a couple of years ago, but like let's say like right around after Veteran came out, I think he had a Backstreet Boys cover. Don't quote me on this. But he had one where he had a little trap beat and he did a Backstreet Boys song and he kind of sung over it. And what's weird is in this record, he sings a lot of cheesy ass songs. Like yeah. randomly, he'll cover fucking TLC Scrubs. Yeah, yeah. Randomly, there's a couple of, uh, and I can't think of the originals around my head, but like there's a 90s dancehall song, which I know for a fact was a cover of some cheesy like 60s, 70s pop song. Yeah. And he just basically recovers it again. So it's like, it's a weird murky mix of shit. But as a long player, it all works because it's all kind of in this weird same kind of smoke out zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, definitely, definitely. And, and it's very. This album is very interesting. I'm not a huge fan of JPEG Mafia, but I respect JPEG Mafia. It sounds more mature in a weird way. Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's it makes the, and and like I said, it's it makes no sense because it's by far weirder. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's more consistent. I I feel like the the beat selections had more of a through line. Um, just. I feel like there was less of let me throw in this crazy ass beat just to piss you off. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and, and more of like, I'm, I'm just playing around with this beat. Like this beat is going to compliment what I'm trying to say, uh, which I, I think is, is very interesting. I mean, there's some times where it's a smoothed out, like almost boom bap 90s beat. And he's just kind of rapping. And he's like, oh shit, this dude can actually spit. You know, and then he'll stop it abruptly <laughs> and do something else. And you're like, uh, okay, well, enough of that, you know. But 
Yeah, I mean, he's a acquired taste, but I, I do kind of see like an evolution in, in his sound in this record. And again, you know, it, it's there are I I think it's more like jarring for me because like you do see you know I I think as a, a the human ear it, you know when we hear melody and we hear like something that we're familiar with like we do kind of latch onto that and he'll he, he'll just be like no nope, fuck you <laughs> um so I think there's a lot of, t- of of that like when I was listening to it where I was just kind of like oh yeah this is okay I'm head nodding and then he's like no uh, so I think that kind of upset me but I don't. I think that's like by design. Yeah, it's, <laughs> but it, but it's a it's a subtle ups, you know because again like he he's like okay this is what the people want I'm going to give it to him but I'm going to give it to him in my way and I'm going to give it to him in bits and pieces and I want to you know give it to him like maybe you know I can playlist one of these songs right I'll start off with like a nice beat I'll make it accessible just because I know I'll, like end up on a playlist I'll get more money but I'm still gonna fuck you. Up. <laughs> So I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it at all. Like he got me, you know, in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and what's crazy for me is like it's all self-produced, which kind of makes sense, but kind of doesn't, because uh, only I guess it, on on the make sense side is the idea of where it is so weird <laughs> that I can't imagine a dude being like, here's my here's my word beat tape of random fucking weird samples that don't have right on the fucking ones and the you know, ones and the twos. Yeah, but at the same time, it's something where. Cause I would love to know his process is like, does he make the beats and rap over it? Does he just have rap ideas and makes the beats around it? It's just very awkward, but yeah, in a weird genius kind of way. That's an interesting question. You know, cause like it, it does seem like they're just like ideas for beats. Cause like, you know, just hanging around producers, like sometimes they'll like, they'll have like 30 second, uh, a minute snippets for beats, but they don't know how like bridge it together. Like there's no bridge, there's no hook, there's no nothing, but they'll just like have it and make it. And maybe it'll inspire something else like two months down the road. Is it more of that stuff where he's just like, fuck it, I'm just going to compile it together? <laughs> <laughs> or again, like, is he a mad genius where it's like, this is all by design, like from start to finish? <laughs> you either mess with it or you don't. Like, I'm actually kind of curious about that that process. Yeah, and it's weird because at the same time, he's somebody where, and don't get me wrong, he kind of got put on by doing some weird raps, but a lot of the quote unquote hit songs are more aggressive. There's, there's, it was definitely much more, it was more based in traditional songwriting. This one, like you said, is the idea is within the song, there could be these weird beat changes, this weird tonal shifts, whereas like how to even kind of put that together. So it's kind of interesting to see somebody where, as opposed to taking his newfound fame and kind of writing it out and saying, all right, cool, I made it to Coachella. I'm just going to put out shit to make sure I make a trailer every year yeah. to be like, nah, fuck it. I'm just going to wait even more weird beat tapes, basically. Yeah. So, you know, props to him, you know, pushing the paradigm. Yeah, yeah? definitely. Yeah, so uh, what are you listening to, Stone? Uh, so I listened to the dude, the homie, Spree Wilson. Woo! Just the Spree! Spree Wilson out in these streets. Spree Wilson. And uh, for you people not in the know, Spree Wilson is the man behind, speaking of people behind the boards. Yeah. You know, without dropping no names, I'll just drop one name of a person who's a little bit off the rocker nowadays is dropping a gospel album in about a week. <laughs> you know, so there's rumors that, you know, hard proof that, you know, my man Spree has wor- helped him put some songs together and other people in the industry. So Spree somebody, you know, he's a, he's a sound assassin. He's behind the scenes. That whenever you get a, a dope song put together, 
sprees out there with the, I guess, the, what, what do assassin shoot with? I feel like, oh, I know it's AR-15s and shit. It's like, I mean, do we even have sniper rifles gonna, anymore? I was going to take it like classic with the arrow. The like arrow, the, and I was, know, I was like going to go for it's America, man. It's or, all about the guns. Or, or, or like the, you know, the yeah. Arya Stark shit. assassin nah, shit. Nah, man, I was trying to do, we should know this. We play, we play Call of Duty. What's a big fucking sniper? I guess the M50? What's a AR-15. big? AR-15. AR-15 is a fucking regular yeah. assault rifle. We should, as Americans, we should know every gun for every situation. <laughs> <laughs> so in your comments, if you're a gun nut, you know what gun would work I got well AR for AR fifteen with the suppressor. Oh, suppressor, nice. Red, red, red light beam. Oh, uh, we, we we lost some fans. Uh, I don't know. Good. Um, <laughs> but no, so like Spree, yeah, like 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 Spree is a, is a, is a really interesting dude. Uh, it's been out in these streets for a long time from ATL. Now lives in Brooklyn. Um, put out some. Yeah, it's funny too because like, he put out some some work. I re- like say five, six, seven, eight years ago that I really latched on to and really love. Uh, we booked him in Cal Sessions, so I'm a little biased. Um, and yeah, he he quote unquote disappeared. But that time he was disappearing, he was working with a lot collecting of them uh, checks, collecting those checks, checks collecting them for the for, them, for less time from Lentons and artists. You know, no and, shots fired. But he you know he was always kind of dropping singles here and there. Um, he'll drop some videos here and there. Um, and it's very interesting because I saw the direction of his sound. I think earlier he was kind of being. He's very eclectic, um, kind of maybe indie rock eclectic, um, almost like um, who's the dude Rory? Like there's a lot of like that sound, you know, kind of an Atlanta hip hop eclectic. Um, now I think he's going for more of a pop sound, and it's very interesting because it, it's very almost like um, speaking of like Weezer. Is I wouldn't say it's like that, but it's just like very polished. It's very poppy. But still very black at the same time, and there's no like he has that lane all to himself, you know. Like like he like it's it's nobody's owning this lane, and and I kind of look at this album. It's like okay, like Spree has this. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of like, and it sucks too because I don't want to like compare it to like something like Hey Ya, but it's, it's kind of that like kind of poppy upbeat. You know, four to the floor kind of you know sound, um, but just in a way that again, like still has some soul, has some R and B. Uh, you can still tell it's a dude from from Atlanta, you know, in a, in a lot of ways. And you know, you know, like it's just very kind of lighthearted. He does have a song, you know, just kind of talking about being a black man in America, but it's still kind of like this this kind of pop soul um, background. And I I I'm here for it. I, I feel like we need that, you know, like everything now is either like trap or like weird ass R&B or like, you know, yeah, you know, like, like there's no space for this, like just pure pop R&B. Aren't there's no sad trap drums? No. How's how, how I miss sad trap drums. That's how it gets through life nowadays. I, you know, I was listening to like some Clams Casino and like all that shit from back in the day. Like, it still goes though. Clams still, yeah. Clams, yeah Speaking like, of SoundCloud like, rap, oh, Cloud, oh, like man. that, that was beautiful. It's, I kind of feel like he kind of, yeah, no, he's he's definitely, there's great soundscapes there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, uh, uh, but yeah, no, so, so, uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's a decent EP. It's, it's, and it's a collection of kind of like some of the stuff that, um, you know, he was, dropping on you know different screaming services and twitter and, and instagram over the past few few years and also he has this, this interesting cover of like oasis champagne supernova 
It's one of my favorite songs, um, you know, from back in the day, which is kind of, he flips it in a way that's like, again, like very poppy, um, almost like 80s-ish in a way, um, but still like, you know, he's just crafting this very interesting sound, which I think, um, you know, it's going to benefit him. I, I feel like, I, I feel like America's ready. I feel like we've had all this other shit. We've had like this, this dark ass R and B. Ready for ready for hope again? After all these these dark years, you know these apocalyptic dark years. I, I, I this, this global warming fake summer we're having I, now. I, I we're, we're ready we're, for hope again. I don't think we're ready for hope. I think we're just like you know what this this is how it is. This is this well this party out. You know, yeah, dance, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like enjoy like, life while like we can. All, it's all going. It's all fucked up. Like yeah. might as well just have a beer. Yeah, very true. So very true. Uh, and I I feel like this is kind of the soundtrack for that. So uh, yeah, check mm-hmm. it out. So the soundtrack for happy apocalypses. <laughs> Shasta Spree. <laughs> Quote us on that Qu- spree. Quote us on that spree. It's called, thank you for coming, comma, enjoy. Ah, I see. Uh, on all your favorite streaming services. Da, da, da. And, <laughs> and that's it. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, y'all, for listening to us, Wax Poetic. You know, about... You had to be a real music head to, to, to survive this one. Yeah, I know. But, you know, we, you I know. feel like we, we did it. We, we, like you said, Gucci Mane to, to Rick Ocasek, yeah. you know? Yeah. The, the cars yeah. to yeah, the you... man who shoots from cars. Ooh. Mm, shots know. fired. Yeah, maybe shots literally. fired. I don't know. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Let me shut the fuck up because Gucci Mane will come out here. Even a happy Gucci Mane with the brand new teeth. I still fear <laughs> like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> I don't want to get kidnapped and sent to Mongolia and shit. You know what I'm saying? Or something like back in the days I would have shot you, Reg, but now I'm just taking your passport and leaving you in North Korea. I feel like that that like just looking at his happy ass face. I feel like that's a, what he'll do. Like yeah, he'll, it just brings him an, an eternal joy. It's like, look, you know, like back then uh, I would have shoot you. Now I'm just gonna meme you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yes, as usual, guys and gals, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to us, Wax Boydick, and we'll hear, see, talk to y'all next week. Peace. Peace.